da 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 You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's showtime. For the second time in as many months, here on Mad About Movies, we're stepping back in to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The movie of the week this week is Spider-Man Far From Home. We're just merely days, weeks from Avengers Endgame, but the show is going to go on. It's like the NBA, guys. It's like the uh, there's no off-season, really, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. with yeah. the MCU. You just keep the party going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll see where uh, Robert Downey Jr. is going to end up. Uh, Chris Evans, free agent right now. We'll see <laughs> where they end up in the next not phase. A, but, not a lot of demand for him. It's weird. Uh, <laughs> more uh, of a supporting player in a championship team, you know? Yes. Uh, Brian and I um, committed to the show and saw the movie. Richard um, has sworn off all Marvel movies. <laughs> weird. Weird to swear off such a big thing when you know people are going to be listening to the show. But... Um, you know, sticking to your guns and you didn't see Spider-Man. So, yeah, um, I'm only, uh, some people, only PJR cinematic universe is exclusive mm-hmm. PJR and Capcom. So like, um, yeah. street fighter and stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. in on that. Sure. In but, Marvel versus Capcom, you're strictly team Capcom. <laughs> I think anyone with half a brain is, yeah. brah. Uh, yeah, no, I didn't. I was, on vacay last week and then uh, got in town a little later than expected and did not see the movie. But I'll hang out for news and then I trust you and our our guest to uh, to break it down. But I, I will see this one because, you know, you got to keep up to – because there will be six more that <laughs> allude to this one in the next four months. So right. I, it's not really one you can wait on. Yeah, Mysterio, Mysterio 14 will make just absolutely no sense to you if you're not well aware of what happened here. From your mouth to God's ears. Well, um, I'm excited about talking Spider-Man, like you alluded to, Richard, with a guest. Uh, Brian and I and a guest uh, will be doing that. Uh, it'll be good times because it's literally been days since we've Toby talked McGuire about the guest, MCU at so it's going to be awkward. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, I, I'm really excited um, to do a little Ask the Mam Fam. We have some voicemail Ooh. questions from you, the listener, which we'll get to here a little bit later. We got a little bit of movie news and rumors rumblings uh, to go over first. But first, before all that, um, I want to say shout out to the VIPs, the people that join us over at madaboutmoviespodcast.com slash VIP for $1 a week to come party with us after and uh, review another movie. Um, sometimes do a little AMA session. Sometimes do a little bonus episode. Um, the latest one over there, we've continued our Harry Potter series with Goblet of Fire and uh, our next movie, we're talking the original Lion King, the animated version of the Lion King retrospective throwback episode in preparation, anticipation for uh, the next Lion King coming out here uh, next weekend. So thank you and special shout out to those people. And Brian, as a, as, a, uh, as a member of the VIP, you do get your name shouted out on the show automatically. Mm. No questions asked. You sign up, you get your name shouted out. So <laughs> let's, let's get, that, uh, let's get the, that group of people I like the out. idea that we like, are <laughs> just like vigorously interrogating people to get their name read on the show. That yeah. sounds funnier. Well, so yeah. We ought to start doing we that. We need to start vetting the names so we don't get like prank <laughs> names and stuff, yeah. you know? Yeah. 
Yeah. All right. Hugh Jazz. We were Jazz. <laughs> VIP. We're on to you here. Uh, yeah. Sure. I've got a few names here of some. I'm sure lovely VIPs, and I'll I'll read them off now if you're ready. Here we go. A big, big Mad About Movies. Thank you to Adam Anderson, to Caleb Attaway, to Nolan Roach, Roche perhaps, probably not Roach. Uh, to Crystal Rutland. To Taylor Sabatka, to Christy Tamburello, Robbie Van Eindhoven, to Michael Watson, Nick Taylor, Kelsey Webster, Ethan Cooper, Chris Santucci, Patrick Drum, Jamie Krieger, and my actual in real life friend, Derek Doyle, whose nickname is Tumbles because of an unfortunate texting incident oh. a few years ago. So shout out to, uh, to, to Tumbles Doyle. Appreciate we'll Appreciate get... all of support from all of you, for sure. Thank you, Tumbles. We'll have to get that story in the <laughs> VIP sometime. We'll have to have sure. him stand no. up on stage stage three and open mic night. Hi, I'm stage Tumbles. three gets a little yeah, greasy. Yeah, it does. So it's a little crazy over there. Um, shout out to Patrick Drum. Great name, Patrick Drum. Great name. Thank Great you for name. Pat VIP. Drum. Pat Both Drum. of them. Kind of almost synonymous, you know, yeah. to Pat mm-hmm. on something and Drum. Yeah. It's perfect. That's why you pay the big bucks, guys, for the <laughs> observations like that. Yes! Rumors and rumbling. That's awesome! Let the filibustering begin. Well, Movie Pass might be gone, guys. Did you hear about oh. this? Oh, it's still going? Or? Yeah, it was. Mm. Um, emergency tweet sent out over <laughs> the weekend. Fourth, what a better time for them to completely uh, shut down services perfect, than perfect. Yeah. than probably the biggest movie weekend of the year besides Christmas. So that's what you want to do is <laughs> shut down everything. They probably, honestly. Uh, so what happened was they. I'll get to the story here in a second on what they might be thinking, but here's what actually happened. Um, they sent out a tweet that said, we're going to suspend services. The app is going to shut down for the next few weeks. We've got to fix the app. The app is mm, broken. Sure. It's going to take multiple weeks to fix. And so the app's That's not going to really work. really standard with apps. I mean, yeah. that happens. I mean, my, my Chase Bank app only works like three weeks a year, uh-huh. but they're updating it. They don't just mm. update it in the background. Right. That they don't happens. just send an update. They, just, they completely disable the app. <laughs> yeah. And, then, and yeah. they're going to put the money back. So it's, it's fine. I, I trust them as, as any bank. You know. <laughs> the, um, the thing about it is, is they probably saw – the projections for Fourth of July, and we're like, we we cannot do this, guys. Ooh. This is not this is not going to happen. And they had to do that. They shut down the company. Um, as, as far as I'm concerned, the app's not working. I'm surprised it has worked for the past eight months, if if at, if at all. If anyone's been able Who's to use it, still using yeah, this? That's I, what I, I want to know. Well, it like, works, Kent. If as long as you see non-christian faith-based films on wednesdays <laughs> it, every, well every other christian faith-based films mm-hmm. non-christian so pretty it niche, opens it up yeah. to you know islam buddhist mm-hmm. right. um various others yes. uh hindu as long as it is a again non-christian mm-hmm. um faith-based film on a wednesday that the app is and it works right. great for that so i you know i don't know why everyone's and only kind in of the american south whining. as well you do have to go to the, you have to find one you <laughs> yeah. have to find this movie in uh alabama yeah you yeah, gotta go to the bible belt it, but... to find it too it's really tough <laughs> yeah it's weird but but other than that yeah it but it works perfectly for yeah. that so perfectly. i don't know why everyone's complaining is my problem i just don't get it 
every time they put out a MoviePass story, I'm just shocked that it's not, hey, MoviePass is dead, dead. Like, it's dead. The service is no... Because I, I just... Who, who is still giving them their money? But you, it, still, still, if you go and look at their, their Twitter mentions, it will be somebody from last week who's like, hey, guys, I just got your service, and uh, it's not working. What's the deal? You're just like... What what are you doing, man? How how have you missed the last two years of news cycle on this? The best is how tone deaf they are in terms of mm. just their overall strategy yeah. as a company. It's one thing for it not to work, but if the company is in debt hundreds of millions of dollars, you don't need to be tweeting things like walking into the weekend like with like a reaction <laughs> gif like right. dude the right. app doesn't work stop yeah. you've got to stop you know mm. <laughs> you got to well, stop well look they uh they have a director of marketing you know they were the first major company to they hire did. a dog in a in a major pr <laughs> position so there's yeah. going to be but there's going to be bumps kent is what i'm saying like that's that's part of being a trailblazer <laughs> i wouldn't be surprised like everyone has that you know chief security officer or director of marketing dog thing but i bet movies matt boot uh, movie pass gave him actual responsibilities right yeah and like uh, a team yeah. that reports to him and stuff <laughs> i think you can get through this stack of of uh, financial files just like i'm not tonight not not by today i'm saying but like by the end of the week maybe in addition mm-hmm. to all these uh Hey, Rufus. All these marketing things. <laughs> oh, all right. Hey, Rufus, time. if you could put a deck together on <laughs> what you're needing to scale mm-hmm. um, over the next six right. months, if you could do three months, yeah. six months, nine months, and two years, um, I don't know, two weeks, is that too much? Anyway, uh, thanks, Rufus. Appreciate it like that. That's <laughs> right. definitely how their office works. Man, it's, a, it's fascinating. Um, I just wanted to kind of take a poll here. During this segment, on uh, think it'll come back. Think it ever will come back. Think they will tweet, guys. The the app is back. We are back in the next. Let's give it a month. I want to say no, but I. It's always <laughs> dumb. Dumb one investors thing, yeah, always throw it in. Yeah. It's, it's got one... name recognition. It has an established brand, <laughs> like that kind of stuff. The one thing that it has going for it is it's unbelievable resiliency because there's just there should have been it should have ended about a dozen times over the last year and a half so i don't know maybe they'll figure out a way to try this again but i i want to say i want to say no and i I just don't know who i don't know how people are still giving it money it's fascinating to me it is it's it's amazing honestly anemia was worse too and they've they've folded completely so how is movie pass still going yeah, we. I, I last proje- projection or number I saw, I think AMC is over eight hundred thousand now, and nice. in total uh, subscribers. Again, I I'm still on it, and it's been it's been great. Other than, um, accidentally getting the subtitled version of Spider Man <laughs> that oh. had no clue about that that was a thing, but um, they said that they you know when you, when you have a Disney movie out in mass you know, they have to screen a certain number of these with subtitles. Mm. And so the one I went to had subtitles, it was like, what is going on? But uh that's just part of part of what you do and part of the time that I picked. There was no distinction. That actually the wasn't that, there, Kent. That was just really good weed. So <laughs> no Man, I wish I had that happen to me once with uh train wreck. I went and saw train wreck and it was weird. It was like more offensive to see 
R-rated jokes written in a weird way than just hearing them. You know what I mean? It was oh, yeah. bizarre. I was like, Ooh, way wow. more Ooh. offended than I should. Like, gosh, uh, there's kids out here. It's like, no, that's funny. Um, I want to. We we're doing an Ask the Man fam here. I want to get to some of those questions here before we talk Spider Man. But there's one thing that I've been kind of saving, and this is the perfect episode to talk about it because of uh, the star Spider Man. There's this movie that has been out there, been done, been, I don't know what you want to call it, but uh, I'll just say put on the shelf, stuck in development hell. Um, It's a movie called Chaos Walking, and this movie stars Tom Holland and Daisy Ridley. Um, Tom Holland of Spider-Man fame, not the director, Tom Holland. Uh, Tom Holland of Spider-Man fame from tonight and Daisy Ridley of of Ray of star Wars, um, arguably the two biggest millennial stars right now. Um, female male in terms of biggest franchises, um, out there. And, uh, this movie has been completed, done for over a year now. And apparently this movie is so unwatchable, <laughs> so horrific that it will never see the light of day ever. It's and Charlie Kaufman too. I want to hear your guys' thoughts on how, in, in this day and age, when in a, in a time where we just saw Men in Black International less than you know weeks ago, how can this be that bad where it's not even releasable? What is the standard anymore? Because <laughs> to me, you know, the standard has been: will it make money? Um, I think a bad movie with Tom Holland and Daisy really makes money. Um, we thought that now, was Passengers or whatever, too, a couple years ago. And that didn't yeah. do too hot. It didn't do too yeah. hot, but it didn't... They still got paid $50 million each, yeah. I think, to do it or something crazy. And um, no one really cared. I mean, it came out. You know what I'm saying? Like, Yeah, no, uh, you're right. It, to me, what's interesting about this is it's got to be some kind of agent behind the scenes yeah. work out here with Tom Holland and right. Daisy Ridley or something. It's just fascinating to me. I don't know if you guys have heard about this. It's based on a young adult book, I think. Brian, do you know at all about this property? But um, I just was reading an article, and it said it's so bad and unwatchable that it won't won't ever come out. Um, It's like the Lost on a Desert Island or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't read this book. It's it's by Patrick Ness, who's written – um let's see he finished uh a monster calls i think he wasn't the original writer of that but he was the the person who finished it because i think that's yeah because uh the the uh, original author died while writing it and or in the manuscript stage or whatever and i've read a couple of other, his other books and they're they're um he's a, he's a good writer i haven't read this one but i have heard a lot about this one because it was supposed it's had multiple release dates and I believe it was on the schedule for maybe March or something of this year and is, is yes, now dis- disappearing. It's Doug Lyman directed too. So yeah, dude. And, and like the cast, you, you mentioned Holland and Ridley. It's Mads Mikkelsen. It's Cynthia Erivo who was in, uh, uh, Oh, battle of El, or, uh, yeah. Uh, El Royale, which we, we really dug Damian Bashir and Roy McKinnon and David Oliolo. It, like it's a, it's a stacked cast and, Yes, you're exactly right. I'm sure. I'm sure there's 
an agent or <laughs> multiple agents banding together to try to keep it from coming out if it's uh, if it's as bad as as they as they say it is. They've um, Lionsgate has apparently spent over a hundred million dollars so far mm. on this. Mm. Um, this is uh, from the playlist. Quote: The film turned out so poorly that it was deemed unreleasable by executives who watched the first cut last year. So it was so bad on the first one that they completely pulled the plug or they're trying to, um, they, apparently there were reshoots in early as far back as April of this year. Um, but I've seen an article that is uh, more recent than that, that said it was unreleasable. So, um, I don't know if that's post reshoots unreleasable or, you know, if that's kind of a delayed story, but, um, this is fascinating to me how, how, I mean, Tom Holland is, is a movie star, you know, we'll talk about that later, but, uh, you know, Daisy Ridley is as well. And I mean, this is a, you would think would be an easy, easy, um, sell for most people, for most, uh, you know, college age kids or younger to go see this movie. Um, but wow, I just want to see, I want to see this Gen movie. Z I hope it leaks. <laughs> yeah. I hope it leaks because I want to see how bad it is. It'll, these always this is just to be a dumped on Netflix kind of thing. Yeah, that's what that's I would what do. I was, right? Yeah, exactly. make up some of the money get Netflix right. this, or or yeah, someone Net- trying to get after that. Crack, straight straight to Crackle Plus. Yeah, mm-hmm. see, right. Lionsgate owns it though. I mean, that's kind of, they're gonna have to sell it. I mean, it, it's not a Disney. Disney could hold on to it and put it out on their own platform, or you know, even Netflix could do that, but. Yeah, it might be so bad that they don't they don't Those, think they could even that sell TV it. TV station at the uh, gas pumps is always looking for original content. Right, right, right. Yeah. Murphy USA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Murphy USA. Uh. <laughs> okay, guys, it's time for ask the Mam Fam. This is our segment where you call us, leave your voicemails, questions, and you get to hear your voice on the show and participate in the show. If you want to get involved in this, you can call us at 214-308-1308. That's 214-308-1308. Just leave us a voicemail, and we'll pick the three best questions for this segment, and uh, we'll answer them as best we can on the show. Um, I'm going to take this opportunity to say, leave us your name because two of these questions, they were good questions. So I didn't want to leave them out, but, uh, you didn't leave us your name. So I don't know your name. So you say, Hey guys, but you need to say, Hey guys, this is blank so that we know your name. Um, and we can give you credit for your awesome questions. Um, so I'm going to start this off with a really young, uh, member of the Mam fam. I'll see um, myself out. <laughs> yeah. Richard, you're going to have to leave. Um, <laughs> And uh, he's got a couple of questions here for us. Hi guys, I'm Dude, 14 and then the guy like and wait three beats and play it. It was so funny. Anyway, there's a there's an extra extra story. <laughs> I have two questions for you. The first one is: Has there ever been a movie that's been all critically acclaimed and hyped over that everyone likes that you just don't like? Like everyone thinks you're crazy for it, or even vice versa, where everyone hates it but you think it's a good movie like not just a guilty pleasure like a legitimately good movie my second question is what are your favorite disney movies okay there we go i wish i could give you credit for your question but uh, <laughs> questions but um there you go brian i think i know what comes to mind with the first question critically acclaimed movie that you don't like 
<laughs> yeah, Forrest Gump can suck it. Yeah, get on, get on out of here with, with, with Forrest Gump. That's a terrible movie to me. It's gone from a, a place where I was like, I just don't really care for this movie, but I get it. Everybody else likes it, whatever. But as I get older and grumpier and more people are like, hey, Forrest Gump, you like the? Uh, no, I hate this movie. I, I think it actually is a terrible movie at this point. So so there's that. There's there's my... my uh, I'm sure there are others. There are always movies that we see that you're like... Um, you know, we, tr- we don't, I don't, and I think you guys are the same. I don't read any reviews or listen to any, any reviews or anything like that before I see a movie. And I try my best to stay away from Rotten Tomato score and all that sort of stuff. So, so I can have as, as clear a mind as possible going in. And there's, but there's times where you come out of movies like, gosh, that was, oof, that was rough. And then you look at the Rotten Tomato score, and you look at some of the reviews, you're just like, really, this is like 80% or yeah. It's not twenty percent. Like, what are we doing here? You know, draft day was like that. I can't, still can't believe draft day is like a certified fresh movie that doesn't that uh, that just doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. And uh, I know my friend, our our, our friend and, and dear listener uh, Brian Simpson, will be very angry that I just threw draft day under the bus again. But gosh, what a what a hunk of junk! And uh, I don't know. So I mean, it happens. It happens. But I can't. Off the, at least off the top of my head, I cannot think of one for me personally that is a worse a worse example of what a horrible movie that everybody seems to love besides, uh, besides old Forrest Gump. But Arby, what about you, man? Oh man, this is a tough one. I would say I don't like Raiders of the Lost. Oh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> hmm. I'm trying to think of one that's just never really moved me. I'm, you know, a lot of the really good animated stuff I'm kind of like that with, um, mm. just cause it, I, I can respect it, but it, I'm not, captivated we've gone over this a million times uh, i'm trying to think of like a a big one what's like a best picture winner that that I one know. that you it's just on, were I'm like going nope. through them. i'm going through them right now i tend to like those oh well the greatest silent film of <laughs> the uh, yeah. 2013 the artist that was the, a huge 2011 fan. I, that was yeah. critical 2011 whatever that was uh grand torino like any good clint eastwood movie i normally don't like sure uh, I'm trying to think of a few other that were like critically acclaimed. Uh, there's some like David O. Russell stuff. Some of his stuff I like, but a lot of it is like really, and I'm just, it's just kind of lost on me. It's just okay. And, mm. um, so it, I think sometimes people conflate interesting and good. And I, yeah, there are things that point. I find that are interesting. David O. Russell tends to be that way for me where I go, that was an interesting movie. I don't know if it was very good though. And so. That would be some of mine. That's Can't a good one. about you. That's a good one I, to throw in there. I, I feel that way too, Richard, with like, but like, uh, I don't know, like David Cronenberg movies or yeah. David Lynch, like that kind of thing that's like, it's artistically well-made and mm-hmm. you're right, interesting, but these movies I don't get. And I've, I've gotten, I used to try to get those movies or try to like figure out why I didn't get them and other people did. And now at, at this point in my life, I'm just like, no, those they're just not, I don't get it. I don't, I don't have time for it. I don't, I don't care. That that's yep. kind of where I, we got basketball know. spreadsheets to make. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so Kent, what about you, man? Yeah. Um, overall, I would say you mentioned a couple of directors. I would say somebody who's probably, I don't know, well-received, um, artistic, I can understand, but I just don't, I don't get it, is Terry Gilliam. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, Brazil, Fear and Loathing, those kinds of movies, um, you know, great, totally understand their artistic significance, place in cinematic history, all that, but just not, not for me. 
Um, more recently, I remember that, that uh, Detective Pikachu. I wasn't really into that. Um, Spider Verse. A lot of people were like saying it's the best movie they've seen in like in the history of ever. Um, I yeah. liked it, but I wasn't. I did not. You know, um, I liked it about as much as I liked lego movie 2 you know it was just it was it was fine to me it was more of a salt to my senses than it was um uh fun i shouldn't time. have given you that mescaline before you went in yeah but you need to stop drugging me before all these <laughs> things agree to disagree yeah. et's one for me that everyone loves that i yeah that's awesome. one for you, you uh, yeah i just thought of that but yeah that's that's probably Good question it. Uh, a lot of nameless 14 year old and um his second question was Disney Seriously. movie. Favorite Disney movie. Oh, yeah. I'll go first. I guess mine's right top of mine because I think about it today. I think mine's Lion King. Because mm. not to be too uh, topical, but yeah, I think mine, the original. I like the New Orleans one too. Uh, Princess and the Frog. That's kind of a later one I saw because I love Randy Newman. So I was into that one. But uh, I, li- I love uh, for kind of a, a, uh, a uh, B side, that would be mine. But in terms of like the big stuff, Lion King's, I love, love Lion King. Right. Yeah, my uh, Lion King would be in my top three for sure. I'd probably in some order. It's Lion King, Moana, and mm. uh, Robin Hood. The, that that's always mm. that was always my favorite as a kid, and it still is one that's that cool. uh, I love the I love the music and those little characters, and I'm always pumped if if uh, Coop wants to watch that one. But yeah, those those three in so, in some order probably. Can't you? Mine are um, Peter Pan was always my favorite. And then um, Aladdin and Fantasia, I grew up on nice. watching those uh, on, cool. on a on loop probably. So um, and Lion King, of course. But uh, that was that one came out when I was younger, and the others I was sort of grew up on more than saw them in the theater kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Lion King was uh, for sure a formative experience, which we will be talking about in the VIP very very soon in a couple a matter of hours. Actually, I'm excited about that. Um, okay, so the next question. Um, is um is actually funny and i just wanted to play this because it was awesome uh, so here we go uh ask the man fam uh hey guys i have been listening since the amazing spider-man 2 episode i'm a pretty big fan um big part of my routine is listening to your podcast while riding my bike um it's a lot of fun my question is uh shoot i just had it Okay, never mind. Sorry, guys. <laughs> wow. That was amazing. New favorite listener. Shout out, to, shout out to you, guy. Whoever you are. Not sure if that was on purpose, but you're the MVP of my life. I just wanted to... Wow. Great wow. move there. Yeah, it was awesome. That's incredible. I was waiting for a Baba Booey. Yeah, I was waiting. Either way. I kept, yeah, you had me, and then like, oh, that was great. I hope everyone's life was blessed by, by hearing that. And great um, episode to start on. Amazing Spider-Man 2. Yeah. Yeah. That's like the most on random one, one I yeah. can think of to be like, you know what? Mm. But, Classic but film. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for listening. R.I.P. Emma Stone. Spoiler alert. All right. <laughs> All right. Final, um, final question from you, uh, ma'am fam, comes from Pablo uh, before we talk mm. Spider-Man. Torre? Pablo. Here we go, Pablo. Just ask me now. What's dude? up, guys? This is Pablo. Uh, my question is, uh, after this last Spider-Man movie, I've been seeing a lot of debates on, like, I mean, I've been seeing it for a while, but, like, who's the best Spider-Man? And I just want to know your guys' take. You know, I know Tobey Maguire is kind of like the GOAT because he was, he was like, from back then, you know. But I personally feel like Tom Holland is, like, perfect for the role. Um, and Andrew Garfield is 
fine. I guess I'm just kind of curious as to what you guys think. So let me know. Thanks. All right, Pablo. Favorite Spider-Man. Um, this one's tough for me, man, because I feel like we have the benefit of hindsight with uh, with with Tobey Maguire um, because we did grow up on it, and it's 15 years removed from the last uh, the last time we really enjoyed watching him as Spider-Man. Um, but Tom Holland is a part of the MCU, which is a to- it's a totally different thing, and um, he has brought his own definition to the character for sure. Um, right now, Tobey Maguire is my favorite just because my favorite Spider-Man movies are with him. I don't think he's the best Spider-Man though. Um, so I, that's, that's my favorite Spider-Man movies are the Tobey Maguire ones, but my favorite Spider-Man is Tom Holland, uh, so far. What about you, Brian? Yeah. I mean, I'm Tom Holland all the way. I think Tobey Maguire can just get on out. (laughs) Like I thought he did it, you know, those movies were great in the moment and and the second one still we'll talk about this more in our review i'm sure but second one still is a very 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 good movie um toby mcguire was he always seemed like even when i really thought those movies were kind of the pinnacle of of uh superhero comic book type movies he always seemed a very odd fit and i don't think he ever embodied both sides of that character all that well uh i think he's better than andrew garfield but almost by default because andrew garfield just was that was such it's not even that those movies are terrible they just his casting and those movies in general were just very bull and, and very did. in that moment like oh it's 2012 this yeah is who we totally have to, we can totally time yeah. those perfectly yeah, yeah. so yeah uh, for me same oh sorry Ken, brian i thought no you no, no you're good Go you're good I'm, I'm i'm done holland holland all the way for me uh yeah, same. Uh, this the, the Raimi Spider Man films have moments. I'm not actually a huge fan of those movies, but uh, when they do succeed, they succeed in spite of Tobey Maguire, who I think is truly terrible in most <laughs> things, and especially in mm-hmm. Spider Man, not in, excluded. I liked him yeah. in Wonder Boys. Okay, seriously, yeah. that's about the only thing I've ever been like. Well, I'm glad he's in this. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he's a good actor. I don't think he's charismatic. I don't he's a great like his person, face. Though, you got to say, yeah, solid guy, hell of a poker player. Great, great uh, side, uh, courtside, Leo yeah. DiCaprio hang. That's what he yeah, is. Great, yeah, great, great him. Yeah, it's either him or Lucas Haas, bro. And uh, <laughs> that's the crew, and or David Blaine, fam. Um, but yeah, so definitely Holland for me. I like some of the like Brian said. The Spider Man Two is a, a good movie. There's moments of Spider Man One that are good. Uh, I don't remember much about Spider-Man three, but I don't remember being very good, but, but I always think that's like, you know, in spite of him that they Mm -hmm. succeed over him. It's kind of, uh, yeah, no. So Holland for sure. And on Garfield, uh, I actually would take Garfield over. I think Garfield would be better in the Raimi movies than Mm -hmm. Tobey Maguire, but those movies are just kind of, they are so of that time though. It's so, I was thinking about that the other day when I was thinking about this movie, it's like, they are like, hey, let's get the guy. <laughs> it's so stupid. It's like, hey, let's get the guy that did 500 Days of Summer and the guy from Social Network right. and the, the girl from Easy A. Who, that turned out to be smart. But right. it's just so of that moment. It's, it's, it's funny. But yeah, Holland. Awesome. Holland, Holland, Holland. He's great. Awesome. I don't know if he'll ever do anything else, but that's okay. He's great at this. Sure, he might not need to. Just, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's got the Chaos Walking trilogy. So. Exactly. Well, thank Cinematic you. Cinematic Universe, Brian. Don't <laughs> oh, my bad. my bad. Put some respect on it, man. Mm, yeah, you're right. You're right. 
Thank you uh, to the Mam Fam <laughs> for the questions. Um, Lawyer up. We ask you for the questions, and we'll give you the answers on Ask the Mam Fam. If you want to ask a question, leave your voicemail two one four three zero eight thirteen zero eight. Boom. All right, Richard. Thanks for joining us here for movie news. We're going to replace right, um, you gonna... with someone who's seen the movie, unfortunately. Mm. And uh, I'm going to jump out the window. Yeah. See you guys later. See ya, and we'll be back soon to talk Spider Man. Here we go. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, does whatever a spider can. Spins a web, any size, catches thieves, just like guys. Look out, here comes the Spider-Man. Is he strong? Listen, bud. He's got radioactive blood. Can he swing from a thread? Take a look overhead. Hey there, there goes the Spider-Man. All right, welcome back, man, fam. We uh, ejected Richard from the podcast, perhaps permanently. We'll see. We'll see how the next uh, next thirty or forty-five minutes go. Um, as always, any guest is is always welcome to challenge one of us uh, hosts as a potential replacement. Uh, it's in the bylaws of our of our uh, podcast, and arbitrators agreed. So we'll see. We'll see how this goes. Trial by combat. Um, like trial. Yeah. trial by combat. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, we are allowed to pick proxies in the combat. You are not. That is part of the rules. So be aware that we are very close personal friends with The Undertaker. So um, we, Richard's gone, couldn't see the movie this week. We'll get his thoughts on Spider-Man Far From Home in a week or two, I'm sure. Uh, but, but we're joined instead by, by our good friend and a loyal Mad About Movies VIP over at madaboutmoviespodcast.com slash VIP. Caleb, what's up, Caleb? What's going on, guys? This yeah, is... Uh, much, Caleb Bonham, I should yeah. say. Caleb Bonham. Mm. There you go. Mm-hmm. We do have a lot of Caleb's. Yep. We need to and a spec- we Caleb make B. sure. There you go. <laughs> right. That's right. <laughs> Caleb, welcome to the show. Thanks so much hey. for being here, man. We appreciate it. An interesting movie to uh, to join on. I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. This is a this is a good one. I think. I think this is a uh, this is one of will, uh, this. It turns out to be a, a pretty important movie, at least culturally. Uh, not just box office wise, but because of where the uh, where the MCU is at at this point. So it's an it's a good one to be on. So I'm glad you're here. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna ask you a couple questions and then we'll jump into this review. So you've listened to the show, so I'm sure you you know what to expect here. Let me ask you first off: Have you seen McGruber? I have, based on listening to y'all for <laughs> a little while, a few Perfect. weeks ago, Perfect. I sat down and watched it. And wow, the um, the one thing that just absolutely destroyed me about that movie, hilarious, is when he was sitting at the fireplace and they <laughs> asked him, hey, so why did uh, Val Kilmer kill your wife? Yes, yes. <laughs> when he really, I have no idea. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> really, I have no idea. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect yeah, bit of comedy. Great movie. Good. Good. Well, please uh, make sure you tweet at Will Will Forte and and Yorma and let them know that that you watch based on us because we're racking up points as an affiliate from McGruber. Uh, second question of three: Have you seen Now You See Me? Uh, I have years ago, and I got a question: Where in the world do you guys get so many Now You See Me DVDs to send <laughs> to all of these VIPs? A landfill. I got, I got that. In the- <laughs> it makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Uh, if you don't know, when you when you join our VIP club at the the peak, at the highest level, when you join the I on uh, our VIP, one of the perks 
if you want to call it that, is you get a an autographed copy of either Now You See Me or McGruber, depending on what's on sale on Amazon. So uh, yeah, every every few months I destroy my internet search history and I order several copies of Now You See Me for like $4 or something. And uh, when we get together, we autograph them and we send them out to uh, to a few of the of the VIPs. And it it's uh, and then all I see as far as ads go for the next three weeks is now you see me. So that's fun. That's a punishment that I put myself through for, for the VIP, just a little inside baseball there. Uh, last question, Caleb, what's your favorite movie? Favorite movie of all time. What's your favorite? Uh, Indiana Jones. A one through three. Cause the fourth one doesn't exist. I assume one okay. and three. See, I don't okay. think, I don't Perfect. think two and four exist. Okay. Oh, Fine. wow. That's- I like temple of doom. I'm okay with Temple of Doom. Yeah, I'm good with that. I'm glad that there are only three and they haven't ruined it or anything like that. That's exactly. that's the main thing that's important for me. So, all right. Well, that's that's get to know the man fam once once more. There, Kinto. We got uh, yeah. we got Caleb here. That's good answers, man. Absolutely, man. Good stuff. Let's talk Spider Man now. Woo! Oh. All right, Bry. Um, let's hit general thoughts here. Um, you want to kick us off with? Uh, General, I guess, uh, far from home thoughts. Everyone knows our our Marvel Cinematic Universe thoughts. Um, honestly, I think we've done every single movie that's come out since 2012, <laughs> probably since Avengers, since the first Avengers. So any movie you want to go back and listen to our full episode review, you're more than welcome to do that. I don't want to waste the time on this review reviewing <laughs> our thoughts on of Age of Age of Ultron, you know, kind of thing. So. Um, sure. Yeah, let's start on general thoughts, Brian, on um, Spider-Man. And you can do Spider-Man general thoughts on Far From sure. Home. But uh, yeah, let's get right into it. Yeah, look, I I thought Homecoming was one of the... That's one of my favorite movies in the MCU. And I was just uh, completely blown away that they... It felt like for the first time, someone really got Spider-Man right. And got Spider-Man and Peter Parker right. The casting is great. I think Tom Holland is awesome in this role, in the dual role. And uh, and that's important. That's that's something that I think kind of gets over has been overlooked with the Tobey Maguire series and with the Andrew Garfield series was the the duality of that character and finding the somebody who can play uh, both sides of it. And I just gosh, I think Tom Holland is is great at it. And and they what they also do too is they they write to his strengths and his uh, persona. As well, and I and and kind of, uh, for example, the the characters around him, because because this version of Peter Parker is a little bit nerdier even than I, than than some of the previous installments. They kind of uh, you notice like they make the they make Mary Jane a little bit nerdier too, and they make Flash a different kind of bully, and they they kind of adapted the story to fit the character. Um, and, and the, the, the person that they have in the role. And I love that. So I thought homecoming was great. Uh, I love, I love the Spider-Man stuff in civil war, even though it was super shoehorned in there. And, uh, I think he was used as effectively, if not more effectively than, than just about anybody else in, uh, Avengers, uh, infinity war. And then obviously coming back with, with end game is cool. So I dig this Spider-Man. You know, I've said, I'm sure I've said previously, I, I didn't grow up reading a lot of comics or or any of that stuff. The the only superheroes that I ever really cared about were Batman, uh, Spider-Man and, and the X-Men. And so this is a character that I have sort of a, a bit 
more of a vested interest in than I do like even Superman or um, I don't know Thor, or Captain America, or any of these. This is this is one that I that I want to see done well, and I I quite enjoy this series. Um, this this movie, I thought Far From Home was was a I'll say I think it's a, a a slight step down from Homecoming, but not in in a real bummer, noticeable kind of way. Just I think it may have as much to do with just I think home, Homecoming is so tight and so well written, and it feels so John Hughesy. Uh, but for 2017 or whatever year it came out, and I think the Michael Keaton of it all makes that movie just elevates the the kind of the scale and the the. Um, the depth of what's on screen in that. Um, and Jake Gyllenhaal is great in this too. So it's, it's not a huge drop, but I, I think it's a, it's a slight drop from, from homecoming, but that's a pretty, it's not a, that's a pretty high standard to, uh, to deal with to me. Cause I, like I said, I think homecoming is really, really good. And I'm, I'm, I think I had that in my top 10 of the year, whatever year that came out. So no, I look, I dug this movie quite a bit. It's definitely going to be one that gets rewatched around here. Um, because my kid loves Spider-Man and I'm happy to, to watch that anytime he wants to get into it. So I enjoyed the aspect of taking it off out of the, the U S and, and kind of, and going abroad and having that sort of element to it. The, uh, the European vacation type thing was, was a cool way to tell this story. And, uh, the, the, uh, Mysterio and all the stuff around him is interesting and it was fun and it, it's well done. Um, so I think, look, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit and, and I'm sure I'll watch it, uh, dozens more time. So just me saying that it's not quite as good as homecoming for me is, is a pretty, pretty minor criticism. Uh, but in, and and a movie that in a year that has not been particularly good for me, I think, uh, movie wise, this is, uh, this is pretty high up on, on the list at this point. So, but, uh, but yeah, that's, that's where I'm at. What about you, Kento? Yeah. um, it's um for me I'm with I'm with you on Homecoming, man. I, I I think Homecoming was such a breath of fresh air um because it wasn't an origin story like we were expecting from Spider Man. Um yeah. when you reboot it. Uh it was such a new take on it, uh with a new character. It was so bright and colorful. Um it's uh it was funny. It was fun. Um it um took some source material that is sacred in the MCU uh in terms of the Marvel fan base um and you would think messing with with any of that in terms of you know organic web shooters or non-organic web shooters or where is the origin of the suit and how old is Aunt May and all the you know all these things that you would think if you anybody messed with they would people would be up in arms uh the fanboys would but uh, I think the way that they go about it, the execution is so good that um, a lot of those things are forgiven. You know, it's all about like, well, if the movie's good, it's uh, I can kind of see through a lot of this stuff. And it's case in point with, with Homecoming. Anytime you reboot a, a franchise and a character as big as Spider-Man, you're going to have to tell it your own way. And they, they definitely stuck to their guns in how they want to tell this story and how they want to interpret this character. Um, I love Tom Holland because he's such a reactionary actor. Um, you know, acting is reacting. And I've always heard Steven Spielberg say that that's what he looks for mainly when he, when he casts 
um, people in movies is the react is how they react to the camera more than how they act to the camera. Um, mm. uh, you know, the, the main example I think of this, uh, is back to the future and Marty McFly, Michael J. Fox, the entire for, for three movies, he's just stunned at what's going on for, he's just stumbling around. Can't believe it's like, what God, time machine? Where, what, you know, that's the entire, his entire character. Um, and Tom Holland's taken on that persona here. He's confused. He doesn't know if he wants to be Spider-Man. He's, he doesn't know if he's an Avenger. He doesn't know if he should go home. This, I love that about this and the way they've told this, because I felt like Andrew Garfield, while he's a talented actor, their interpretation of Spider-Man, he was just a kind of a jerk, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, he's like dunking on, he's the bully, you know, (laughs) in those movies. And, um, I just didn't like that at all. And I, I do, you mentioned John Hughes, Brian, I think they, that's, that's conscious thing for them to try to create this ensemble, this breakfast club kind of ensemble with these characters. And this, this is way more of an ensemble than any Spider-Man movies have been with him and Ned and, and MJ and Flash and the other characters that they introduce in this one, especially uh, the teacher. Um, and so, you know, I, I got to admit, um, before I pass it on to our guest, I got to admit, I was pretty nervous going into this one. Um, I'm always nervous when, with this sequel road trip kind of thing. Um, it seems a little bit cliche. Uh, you know, I, I'm, t- I'm more of a fan of stick to what you know and do it well, rather than try to change things up too drastically. But I gotta admit that I thought the location choices worked here um, pretty well because you know when I think of Spider-Man, I really do think of New York City, and I think it's such a part of the character of Spider-Man. But um, I thought this worked really, really well. I don't want to get into spoilers yet, but um, the Mysterio character—I thought the whole movie hinged on that working, and I thought it worked great, in my opinion. Um, it worked for me, at least. And so that's, that's when I was sold, you know, I was kind of waiting for, uh, I don't know the twist if the the twist is the right word, but I'm waiting for Mysterio for, I guess for the, for the shoe to drop on that. And when it did it, I was satisfied. And, um, that's really when, when this movie won me over, because I think this movie excels in that arc you know, maybe Homecoming's the exception and some of the Avengers movies with Thanos and stuff, but you know, that third act, that late second act, third act villain arc is so sloppy in some of these movies that, you know, so forgettable. I can't even name, you know, the villain in uh I don't know what was it? Guardians of the Galaxy, what was it, the kind of Ronan the accuser, you know, yeah. those types mm-hmm. of villains. It's just so just paint by numbers uh, all, all, uh, in a way. And this is a, a memorable, and it really does have stakes to the future and past of what we've seen. So um, I'm, I'm kind of with you, Brian. I don't know. I don't know where to if I rank it ahead of far for, I mean, ahead of homecoming at this point, because um, it is so new in my mind and I've seen homecoming so many times, but I mean, I had a real, I had a lot of fun with this. Um, but I mean, I've got qualms with it, of course, but, uh, mm-hmm. I had a lot of fun with it. I, I gotta admit, this is a character that I just freaking love, man. Yeah. And I, I always tell myself with every one of these movies, in fact, I think I even said it on the amazing Spider-Man two episode that's like, okay, well, 
we've seen all we can see with Spider-Man in terms of what they can do on screen with Spider-Man, how they can show him flying, what perspective we can see him from, you know, how, all these different things on how many ways we can, how can you reinvent Spider-Man? Because he's, we've got a pretty limited skill set, but the addition, and I know I've been talking for like 20 minutes here, but the addition of Tony Stark and all the technology changing the suits, you know, keeping it fresh that way really does mm. make a huge difference with this. And it keeps it from just getting boring and being a typical Spider-Man. It, it, it's constantly updating itself, self-updating itself and making itself fun again and interesting again. And it never really loses its momentum at all. Um, so, man, this is uh, becoming my favorite like franchise within the MCU, man. It sure. really is. I, Guardians has been my my favorite so far, in terms of the, the the two movies that I think are the tightest and and funnest, you know, um, tight vision. But man, this is this is a lot of fun. But let's pass things over to our guest Caleb, uh, Spider Man Homecoming thoughts and uh, general yeah. thoughts on this one. Um. So I think this was this is a really interesting movie to try to come on and talk with you all about the first time. Because uh, I think it is super ambitious. It is a super ambitious movie to try to put out there. So I really got into the Marvel movies. I am not a comic book guy at all. Sure. I have no interest in comic books, never read them in my life. And the thing that has drawn me to the MCU so much is that, um, you know, for a universe dominated by Norse gods and aliens that come into New York City and super soldiers, it, it always has like felt really rooted in reality and something you can kind of grab. And so when you see Homecoming, you know, the, the thing that I loved about it was it was the, they, they really just captured uh, kind of what our era's, you know, high school, like you had mentioned earlier, you know, John Hughes style, like this is what it's kind of like. You know, what happens when a bunch of aliens attack New York City? Well, naturally, you're going to have a whole bunch of people trying to sell alien technology. And then the government's going to come in and take it. And, you know, that's like a logical, like you can understand how that stuff operates with Michael Keaton. Mm. Um, and this one almost kind of followed the same formula to me as Homecoming, is that they have, and, you know, won't get into spoilers, but like this concept of Mysterio has a reason that is sort of relatable and understanding. And, um, but I came into this not understanding anything about Mysterio and afterwards leaving, I've watched a different, you know, a few different videos on who is this guy. And I think that was one thing I was unprepared for is that character. Cause that definitely drives this movie. Like I did not know what I was going into when I saw this and I've kind of, I've started to like it more now that I understand where they were coming from. Um, but if you don't know who Mysterio is, that is like a dividing line to mm -hmm. me going into this movie. If you don't know what it is, it's going to catch you really, really off guard. It seems as if all the people that have read comic books knew this kind of going in and were kind of prepared for it. And they have a different perception. When I left originally, I was not a big fan of this movie, but I thought that it was probably one of the better movies that they've done, which is definitely, you know, contradicting what I just said. But that's really what I think on this. Like, I thought it was a phenomenally ambitious movie. I would have loved to sat in on how they came up with this concept because it's definitely still rooted in reality, but it has some like really big um 
flaws. And I don't want to be one of one of those nerdy guys. It's like, oh, you know, this is this is not how it's going on. But you see, like, when you see these gigantic elements that are, you know, the the main villain at the beginning of the movie, there's like problems with that that I look back on and I'm like, wait, how does that how does that compute with what's actually going on? So to me, I was really confused by it. Um, I probably will see it again. I thought it was a phenomenal movie, and I'm really on the fence. I think Homecoming was better, um, but I still think this is a really solid movie. All right, Big Gil, any reaction to that? No, I think I think that's uh, it's well put. Um, I don't. I, I'll wait and hear the the criticism on it before we, but. I did know coming in, I expected Mysterio was going to be a flip. I I didn't I haven't read these comic books either, but uh, my kid has he has like a easy read Spider Man. He's got several Spider Man and and various uh, Marvel characters like these little you know twenty page easy read books, and one of them was about uh, Spider Man and Mysterio. And so I've read this to him a couple times, and it's it was a uh, it was not this story, but kind of similar than, and it cast him as, as a villain. And so when we found out the Mysterio was going to be one of, if not the main, uh, focus or potential antagonist or whatever, you know, I know, I know the movie, the, uh, trailers did a great job of framing him as a, uh, as a, a helper, as a, as a compatriot for, for Spider-Man. Uh, and in the movie, gosh, does such a great job of, uh, such a great job of building, that into the the script and and the relationship between those two of of Spider-Man of Peter Parker trying to find a replacement for Tony Stark as like a mentor in his life that was a really really well executed uh plan and and adds so much depth to uh to what's going on here but yeah like i i thought uh knowing that he had been a a villain in in some of the the comics i talked to our buddy Ariel who's kind of the the resident comic book nerd around here uh, Ariel of uh, of uh, Geek One Hundred One podcast, and he kind of confirmed. He's like, "Yeah, sometimes he's sometimes he's a good guy, sometimes he's a bad guy. He's kind of it depends on the series and and all that sort of stuff." So um, I knew I expected going in, and I was trying to prepare my kid for that too, without spoiling it for him, but like just trying to give him a heads up, like more than anything, like, "Hey, there's you know, pick up on the context clues here of do you think he's a good guy or a bad guy and that kind of thing." Um, so I, I, I expected going in that we were going to get some flip on, on him as a, uh, as a villain. And, uh, again, I think it, it's really well done and it, it worked very well for me on that front. Uh, Caleb, you kind of mentioned the, the, the elemental stuff and the way all that works. I'll let you, you dig into that here in a sec. Um, that was, uh, for me, it was it was you know it was passable. It was fine. I didn't I didn't need to. It didn't give me a reason to dig into the logic of it, so I didn't. You know, and that's kind of how I tend to to view these sorts of movies. But I was much more interested in Mysterio and the way that they played. One of my favorite things in movies is when you take a character. I and I'm sure I've said this before, so I apologize. But I love when you take a character and you frame him or her as a good person or as a bad person, and in the beginning of the movie. And then as the movie progresses, you see uh, you see that person in a different light, but nothing about the person changes. And I, lo- I love that. Like the greatest example of that to me just off the top of my head is, is uh, Jason Bateman in Juno. 
in that movie, he's a he's a bad person in the beginning, but we see him as a cool person. And then as it comes out through the movie that he he is a bad person, he's not changing his behavior. It's all about how we we see him and and the uh, the light in which he is cast. And it's it's not quite the same thing here because you you do have obviously he's doing uh, Mysterio is is he's performing he's he's putting on a show and stuff, but the he thinks he's doing the right thing. He thinks that he's a good guy. And so it, it is more about the uh, the framing of the of the way that the, the film portrays him early on versus where he he flips in the middle and stuff. And I love that. I think it's a really cool way to to uh, show or it, it's just a different way to do a villain. And we're now we're, we're on a pretty good streak for so long. Kent, you kind of touched on this earlier for so long in the MCU the if you know the criticism of these movies is that there's their villains kind of suck and for the most part i think that's that's very fair well we're 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 hitting a pretty good stride here um without running down the list of of all the the mcu movies that have come out over the last few years that but the most of them are are starting to figure that out and that michael keaton was great and jake gyllenhaal was great in this movie and obviously thanos and uh, so you can, you're starting to see a shift on that front and I, I love it. I think that's a huge, that's a huge thing to, uh, to build from, to build on, uh, moving forward and something that that was lacking previously, but, but can't, yeah. where, where'd you come out on the, on the Mysterio flip? Did it, did it take you by surprise? What, how'd you feel on that front? Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and give a spoiler warning right now. So spoilers, oh, yeah. Yeah. spoilers coming up from now on, we're going to talk about, uh, the end uh, from here on out, probably. Well, we've talked 25 minutes without spoilers, so that's probably overdue. And I probably spoiled everything, yeah, we are to probably be honest. So, um, yeah, man, it honestly worked for me. You know, I, I know Caleb mentioned some of the elemental stuff at the beginning did not. Uh, you know, once the... You know, that's the thing about a twist uh, reveal like that. You do risk. Um, okay, has everything up to this point... Now that we know this, could we watch it with the same context and all of it makes sense? You know, is there any plot holes because of this? Um, uh, there's one shot in the movie that fixed that for me, and I had the same thought immediately. I was like, okay, well, Mysterio, so this is all holograms, right? But how do you destroy a city with holograms? I don't understand, you know, where the water coming from, all this, you know, how does this, how does this happen? There's one shot in it. I think it's in the final battle scene um the tower of london scene where the elementals kind of come together into the big fire water one and um they show a shot uh, i think in the river of the drones like in the river creating a wave or something right don't they show that or like shooting mm-hmm. up against the against the wall of the river and it creates like this big wave for me that that was like all i needed to see like drones actually making something like behind mm-hmm. the hologram mm-hmm. happen. It's like, okay, well, if the holograms are just blocking out our visions of the drones and behind all that, the drones are actually destroying stuff and throwing water everywhere. And, you know, Ned at the beginning where they're in Venice gets thrown and water splashed everywhere. I was like, well, if that's a hologram, why is he super uh, wet? You know, all this, all, all these questions I had, but to me, they're still destroying everything. They're just making people think it was a different. It was destroyed yeah. by something else. Uh, the drones are cloaked. Right? They're cl- yeah. they're they're still destroying the city. They're still destroying Venice. They're still destroying London. They're just doing it and making it think that 
it's this it's this alien and Mysterio's coming in to save the day and but it's all fake, you know. Um I honestly it was a great twist, to be honest. I, I did not see it coming. I didn't know anything about Mysterio. Um all I knew was that Jake Gyllenhaal was in this movie and people were giving him good praise for being for his performance. I didn't know if he was gonna turn bad. Um I honestly thought that at first, like, okay, the elementals go destroy them. Like that's a f- fine plot, you know, this mm-hmm. movie. That's what all it is, is we gotta go destroy these from destroying Prague while we're on vacation so we can have a good time. I'm good with that. And we can go have a fun time and have some fun sequences and call it a day and still be a, still be a good movie. Um, but I think the stakes that this opens up the door that this opens up for not only the past MCU movies, but the future is, is significant, you know? And I didn't expect that for this movie. I just expected this movie to be okay. Now that end game's over now that that's all over, we're going to take a breather and just have fun and watch Spider-Man. You know, and not really mm-hmm. pave the way for anything else or show show anybody where we're going or have anything significant happen. And just leave it up to Marvel to, to pull something like that. Right when you least expect something big to happen, they, they do. You know, they make it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, for me, this just opens up a lot of questions of where do they go from here? You know, how much – basically, have have we seen 21 movies of Hologram, you know? In areas because um, uh, if we're talking post-credit scene, everything included here, the Talos the scroll thing, if if you know they're introduced to them in Captain Marvel in the '90s, I mean he could be Nick Fury the entire time, really. Uh, mm. They could be they, they could be uh, Maria Hill and Nick Fury since then, essentially, um, and Nick Fury could be in space and. <laughs> You know, I'm excited to see what where they go from here and kind of where they draw the line of here's where we weren't involved, here's where we were. We let these things happen because of this, because we knew that this would happen. We've seen the future with the time stone, all these things. Um, maybe that they know that the I want your opinion, Brian, here. I'll pass it to you mm-hmm. on just kind of future and what this opens up, but uh, does this. Uh, you know, I guess to me, I think they're transitioning to space, right? And more of a galactic uh, threat than before um, with the Guardians of the Galaxy, with the Asgardians of the Galaxy, right? Um, sure. So maybe Samuel L. Jackson's like, okay, we got crap to deal with. Uh, Nick Fury's like, we got crap to deal with, you know? In mm-hmm. space, that's way more important here. You guys go have fun on the Earth basically give Spider-Man like a test, you know, like a drone test to make him, beca- <laughs> you know, to keep him on his toes, sure. like whatever. And I'm dealing with the real crap up here. And Talos is helping him and taking on his role down there and making all this happen. But I'm excited to see how they, what they, you know, where they go from here, because this opens up a giant can of worms, not to mention the, the mid credit sequence. Um, is is another big reveal of Mysterio framing Peter Parker for all the destruction right. and saying his name. Why don't they put that in the movie? <laughs> I mean, that's a huge, that should be the end of the movie. You know how many people will probably leave the theater like, oh, I really never seen a Spider-Man. That was really fun. They leave. And to me, that's a big thing that should have been in the movie. Uh, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, I I get. I mean, I guess I get that. I just 
here's my thing. This is the what twenty third MCU, twenty yeah. second, something like that. I don't even know. If you're not up on what it's gonna be, you know that they were gonna have a, a post credit scene. Like that movie ended, and not one person in my theater got up to leave because we all we're conditioned now to know. Oh, there's gonna be at least one scene. Like I I checked after the mid credit. Mm-hmm. After that scene, I checked to see if there was a you know an in credit scene, whether or not we needed to stick around, or if that was the end of it. But but everybody, it's not that I, I guess I would say not everybody knows, but the vast majority of the people who are gonna are gonna see this movie, they they know. Hey, there's gonna be there's gonna be a tag somewhere in there after uh, once the credit starts. So make sure you stick around. And if you don't know, then you know you can see it on the internet in about three and a half minutes. You know, so yeah. I, I get the the idea of like why is that not but that also is part of the deal is we we want people to stick around and watch the credits and see uh the names of craft services and stuff like that so uh you know that's that's part of the i don't know that's part of the deal that doesn't bother me anymore because i just think it is part of the summer blockbuster type movie experience and and you ought to i don't know like i've said before like one of the things that i think that the MCU gets right is that they respect the audience and they just, uh, I guess just assume. And I think rightly so that anyone who's seeing Endgame has also seen infinity war and age of Ultron and all that sort of stuff. And if you haven't seen it, that you're smart enough to pick up on what you're missing, you know, and that's the same thing here. It's just like, uh, look, there's going to be a mid credit scene and in credit scene or whatever, because that's what we do. So you're going to want to stick around for that. And if you don't, you don't look it up on, screen rant or something tomorrow you know most of the most of the mid or post credit scenes have been up to this point more throwaway fun oh they're just gonna eat shawarma kind of things um Mm. this to me makes it a better movie you know if it's yeah i would agree with that it makes it a better okay um if it's in you know it's it's just weird to take this into account like it's a part of the movie, you know, because I guess that's how we kind of picture it, like it is in the movie, but it's really not, you know. Does that make sense? Like the yeah, the I can get the, that. the the I don't know. The TV version's not going to have that in there, you know. I don't think you know that's you know what I'm saying. Um, so it, imagine if the I am Iron Man moment from the first Iron Man was like post credits, great moment, you know. Mm. <laughs> That that's kind of how it felt. It's like holy crap! At the end, like he says, Spider Man is Peter Parker, and he throws it out to the world, and now Peter Parker's the enemy essentially to the world. That's a big deal, you know, in terms of where we go. I think that would be a great, would have been a great cliffhanger towards the end of this, and um, you know, like it, it. People did leave in my theater. That's the only reason I'm saying that um, it is because there might be people that leave the theater with a completely different impression of how this movie ended than the other guy oh yeah peter parker uh gets with mj and they make out and everything's great well no i saw it and mysterio blames him for everything and tells his identity to the world and now everybody's chasing him and um you know maria hill wasn't actually maria hill or nick fury wasn't actually nick fury it was just aliens the whole time it's like wait what (laughs) i didn't see that you know it's kind of significant it's not just a throwaway extra scene anymore it's um maybe they do need to have uh before the movie stick around for the end credit scene you know for because you've got to you've got to think you're 
gaining new fans, don't you think? Uh, not every certainly Maybe. The, the, you've got I mean, to, you've got to hit uh, a, a little bit of a, a wide audience with these. Um, for the most part, like I think this movie is 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 way more likely to bring people in than like a Thor, you know, kind of thing. Maybe that's why Spider Man to me is the most mass. Maybe Spider Man, Batman, and Superman, right? The most mass consumable superhero that there is in the world. Um, so maybe they see this more as we can bring people on board than than their other movies. Um, so that's why they. They they see this more as their temple is what I'm trying to say as then um, going yeah, forward. Sure. Do you think so? Do you think they're going to kind of center the, things around Spider Man? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this and Black Panther. Yeah, Black Panther the, too. That's the big, the big. I mean, and Captain Marvel is like the third prong of that of of the new MCU for sure, for sure. Yeah. But hey, Caleb, look, you you mentioned some some problems with uh, the element side and and all that. One we. When we dig into that, what uh, what what bothered you there, what, or what sticks yeah. out to you as a potential issue? You know, I I I I didn't say that to say anything that it ruined the movie, as because uh, like I said, I really thought that this was a strong, solid movie, um, and I liked the creative direction they were going. Um, I'll hit on that. You know, it's almost as if like what you guys were just talking about. They're taking it a Dark Knight route. They're taking it this this way that kind of the the Nolan franchise took it a little more like, hey, he's a vigilante. How is a young high schooler Peter Parker gonna gonna move forward? And I don't know why they didn't keep that in at the end of the movie. Um, that was that was confusing to me. But you know, the only thing is the moviegoer looking at that, not knowing the comic books. I just don't like the rug continuously being pulled out from under me. And when you're looking at the elementers, you know, I don't even know what the elementors or elements. Um, yeah. You're looking at like this gigantic ball of fire. Cause you're right. Um, I think it was Kant that was saying there was that scene where they're pushing the waves or you have that scene where Jake Gyllenhaal is Mysterio has all the drones flying around and says, Hey, do more damage. Those drones are obviously like blowing stuff up and, and shooting smoke and all that, but like gigantic fireballs and entire towns getting destroyed. Um, I just look back on it. I'm like, okay, that just like, I'm not trying to pick it apart. I'm just trying to like conceptualize. Okay. Is that, is that still in line with like where they're going to me? That just kind of stood out, but I'm not picking this stuff apart. It's just the rug that's continuously pulled out from under you. Like, is he to the left of me or is he to the right of me? Is, mm -hmm. you know, is this suit that I'm wearing right now actually what I am? I, did I take an LSD pill before I came and saw this movie? Because, <laughs> like, there is a trippy, trippy scene where yeah. they're all walking into Fury's office. And all of a sudden, the entire atmosphere changes. Everything from the ground to the walls and glasses flying at you. That was just really trippy to me. So, um, no, I didn't have a, I, I, the more I thought about it, the more that I thought Marvel did a phenomenal job actually making sure there's not a lot of plot holes. There's not a lot of things that you can pick apart. It's actually pretty, you know, when you're operating in that universe with aliens yeah. and everything, it's believable, um, how they, how they did it. So I thought it was fantastic. Um, but that was my only gripe about it was. Not knowing it, just the rug kind of getting pulled out from under me, and it just made me explore the character a little bit more. Sure, that's fair. Yeah, um, 
maybe a, a side complaint. Just it's been very convenient so far. The the Stark technology is just so convenient. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. oh, you don't have your Spider Man suit? Well, we have this machine in the back of this plane that 3d prints any spider-man suit that we need you know it's like anytime they're in some bad situation there's some invention or technology that exists somewhere to get them out of it and uh, and to to an extent that's really fun but also to an extent it's such an easy way out of of uh, you know from a screenwriting perspective a lot of these things but um I'm excited to see where, you know, who takes the reins as Tony Stark. Um, in my opinion, I was going into this movie, I thought it was pretty obvious what they were going to do with, you know, I don't want to be the next Iron Man, and Happy's going to give him this speech. You don't need to be the next Iron Man. You need to be the next Spider-Man, you know, like, be yourself. <laughs> That's what you want to mm. do, you know. Um, it was very, very cliche from that perspective. Um, but. Um, Man, I don't, I don't, I don't really know what to think in terms of the hologram stuff because does, does that Brian destroy the multiverse theory? <laughs> you know, is that was is multiverse essentially a hologram now? Or, you know, yeah. Who who knows? I I'm not sure. My brain doesn't. I you know I'm not that bright, so I just I think it does exist still because of the quantum realm, right? Because the time travel sure. still exists. That's true. That's true. But it is an interesting thought. I mean, I guess you could now you could kind of go back and insert movies along the line within, within the MC, the existing MCU and use the hologram thing to, to play into that. Now that that exists at least for Talos and such in like post 1995 or whatever. So yeah, I mean, I guess you could, you could go that route. The multiverse thing is there. I don't know. I, one thing that I dug about this that I like about, and you guys have both kind of touched on it a little bit, is uh, that that I dig about Spider-Man versus some of the other ones is uh, it is so earthbound, and it is it can be so. Like I know that the the threat in this one was much larger than it was in Homecoming, and he's dealing with a much bigger deal than. Uh, than he was in homecoming but even in that sense even even a hundred times bigger than what michael keaton posed as far as like a global threat it's like you know a few thousand people in one city may die from this and i don't i'm not minimizing that at all but when we most of these movies uh one of the criticisms for not just mcu but but superhero movies in general is like well the entire world's going to come to an end unless we put a stop to it. You know what I mean? And this is a little more contained. So I like the idea that you can have just kind of what you said, Kent, that we can have Spider-Man handling things that are on a smaller scale, things that are earthbounds. It can do some, some villains and some stories that are, uh, maybe a little more intellectual and less global catastrophe level type stuff and let Thor, or uh, the Guardians, or Captain Marvel, whoever handle the big, big, big things that are, uh, you know, going to destroy the universe and stuff like that. And I like that because I don't want every movie to be, uh, you know, the world's going to end if we don't stop him. I like, I love that he kind of keeps referring to himself as like, I just want to be the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man and that kind of stuff. I, I love that. I think it's a, it's a trait that I, I hope that they 
are smart enough to realize is a very valuable uh, difference between Spider-Man and some of the other movies and, and characters within this world that they can keep letting him operate in that world as much as possible. Yeah, and it does, this movie does play on the perception of heroism too, to a really good um, degree of, you know, all Mysterio is mm-hmm. really trying to do is get the perception of stopping, you know, to become a celebrity and the whole thing on fame and what that means. And, you know, from one side, he's seen as a hero. Another side, he's seen as an enemy. Uh, I love that. I think this movie is just really smart. I think it might be smarter than than Homecoming. I just think Homecoming is a funner movie from beginning to end. Sure. Um, this movie just It's more it. ambitious, yeah. like Caleb said. It, it I, is. I, mean, I, think, definitely. I think they learned from Iron Man 3 and kind of tried to pull the same twist with this. And this works way better than the Trevor twist. Um, very similar reveal. But um, again, I think it all depends on the, the stakes and, and the implications in the further further down the line. You know, This might be a blip in the radar, but it might be we look back and it's like, man, that's really where it turned was far from home. We never expected it, but that really set us up for Avengers seven or wherever we end up being. Another thing that was in the post credit scene, J Jonah Jameson's back. How does that not get in the movie? (laughs) Very weird. I mean, like all these things, just not put that in the movie guys too. You know, it's very odd. I guess I just think of he's just all the way until the credits are over is part of the movie. Yes, I did love framing him as Alex Jones. That was that was a very funny thing. A really well done idea. Somebody had a great idea that day in the in the writer's room and and then they all high fived for an hour. That's that was a great a great bit. Yeah, that's great. That was great. I've been waiting for him to come back in that role uh, for a while. It was rumored to happen, I think, with Homecoming, but um Never, never ended up happening. So I like that. Um, I, I like uh, what they do with Flash and how he's like a streamer. <laughs> he's just always <laughs> IG live. Just talking to his yeah. mom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was funny. That was funny. What did you think about? What do you guys think about the uh, the cast around Tom Holland, the Zendaya, and uh, and his the rest of his friends? How how do we feel like they yeah. they came along in this movie? I like Zendaya. Um, she hasn't really done much, to be honest. Uh, well, she's Michi, number one. She, but... Michi. she hasn't done much, to be honest. They haven't given her. Uh, I mean, they've given her more of a a role, less of a Bechdel role than in the other movies. You know, she's way less of a love interest now. I mean, she is a love interest, but she has her own independence now and uh, more of a more of her own voice uh, than just being like the girl Peter likes. Um, so that's kind of what makes him threatened by losing her more. Uh, so yeah, that's good. But I really like Ned and Peter. I think they nailed Peter's group of friends and peer group around him. Teacher. I don't know why JB smooth is in this movie for some reason. That was odd. <laughs> yeah. No reason. But I for dug that. it. I yeah. love JB. Witches man. <laughs> yes. Yes. Look, no movie has been made worse by having JB smooth. That's I mean, that's, true. that's like a, point. I mean, doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a good movie, but it's definitely not worse by his presence. Yeah. Martin um, Starr was funny, too. And he's somebody who very often makes me insane. Um, but he, he was 
when he's used well, I really enjoy watching. And that this was one of the times that, that he was used quite well, I think. Yeah, I thought so too. Um, this one only has uh, one screenwriter uh, as wow. a write, written by and then a screenwriter. So I'm sure somebody wrote the, Chris McKenna wrote the story and Eric Summers wrote the screenplay because I remember Homecoming had like seven or eight screenwriters mm-hmm. on it. It got, it had a lot of passes on it, but it ended up actually turning out pretty good. This is just a way more focused movie. Um, yes. But very bold. Uh, I thought this was going to be sloppy. I thought this was going to be, like I said, vacation from the rest of the MCU. We're going to we're going to Paris and we're going to have a good time. But this was uh, this was anything but that. I mean, it was definitely a good time, but it definitely had stakes. I did not anticipate that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Any other observations? I've touched on the Tony Stark stuff, uh, Edith, uh, a little bit. The glasses, I like that. Um, and that was. Mm-hmm. Like I said, convenient, but it was a fun, a fun yeah. element. Um, happy is getting with Aunt May or in love with Aunt May. I think that's still a funny, funny. bit. Um, yeah. Marissa Tomei, by the way. Gosh, yeah. American Treasure. Yeah, she's the American best. Treasure. And that's really all I got, man. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, uh, when did, what? What about the? And I'll start with you, Caleb. What? How do you think they handled the? The snap bit, like with the, with what's her name, uh, Bet- Betty Brant and, uh, and yeah. the other kid, like just starting that off and, and establishing that with a little bit of, um, just right up front. Here's how this works. What do you think? Do you think that worked? That is, that was pure high school movie making captured perfectly. I mean, sure. like they're, they're grabbing pixelated images of vision and throw it into <laughs> iMovie and trying to export it all just like you know the getty yeah. images like watermark on all their stuff the thing that i thought was the funniest was when you know the school was uh, half the population was was blipped and then all of a sudden they're playing basketball and half of them show back up and just like in the middle of you know a basketball game i thought that was that was done really well mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. And they just kind of, you know, there's all these fan theories out there and like what's going on. They're, they just kind of brush it off and like, hey, here's what happened. We're not going to focus on that. We're moving on. Make a joke out of it. And man, the Whitney Houston was was just that was the music you need to add to a Tony Stark <laughs> tribute. Perfect. Yeah, I liked it. It's good. It's good self-awareness. They uh, they nailed it, man. They didn't. They nailed it. I, I'm really ex- I, I'm really interested in some kind of tell all someday, you know, I want to see some long form New York times piece or something about the creative process at Marvel. I think it's fascinating because you know, they don't arrive at these conclusions where they want to go in one sitting, you know, it's months and years of planning. And, uh, you know, we, we praise Pixar for their ability to write stories, but, we should mm-hmm. give Marvel just as much credit for making all of this work. What twenty three movies now? Yeah, and that uh, they've been telling the same story essentially, or the one story. So amazing, amazing. Um, okay, let's hit grades here for Far From Home. Um, I'll give it an A minus. A minus. I think it it uh, takes a little bit to get going at the beginning, but um, really enjoyed the second and third acts of this and I'm excited to watch it again. So A minus for me for far from home, Brian. 
Yeah, I'm right between an A and an A minus. I, it's, it's so good compared to so much of what we've seen through the first six months of this year. Uh, but I, it is it's a little lesser than than home. I, I, I'm I'm gonna go with A. It may end up coming down just a tiny bit over uh, the 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 remainder of of this year. But I but I I man, I really enjoyed it quite a bit. It's funny. It's I mean, Homecoming's really funny too. But this one had even more laughs i think at least in the first half of it i love the whole conceit of the the uh trip to europe and the way they did that and i just i don't know i i think kale's right man let's say it's it's a more ambitious movie than i anticipated it being and i i just am really impressed with the way that um i I shouldn't be surprised anymore because this is what they do but i'm impressed with the way that that kevin feige and the rest you know the (laughs) director and writer and everybody involved um kind of set reset this universe post in game and and using this movie to do that was uh was really smart and I, and I dug it so it's an a for me what about you caleb guys i definitely think that this thing is like an a minus and i give it that for the i think their foresight going back and getting peter billingsley from iron man one the dude from a christmas story and giving him a, a big role in this, I thought was fantastic. They way they kind of integrated the previous movies into giving Mysterio rationale. But I'm giving this thing a C if all of a sudden they start going back and removing key plot points from previous Marvel movies and attributing them to holograms <laughs> and, sure. and you know. So as of right now, absolutely an A minus phenomenal movie. Sweet, sweet. And it's honestly amazing. Uh, you can get somebody like John Watts and make him into to the director like this. Like it's just uh the MCU is just yeah. such a machine that you can, anybody Gosh. can kind of come in and great point. Oh, yeah. you made, you directed, you know, seven episodes of the <laughs> onion news network. Well, you're going to direct <laughs> Spider-Man homecoming. Like that was his yeah. resume. Oh, I love that death yeah. cap for key uh, video. Sure. Right, sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Here's exactly. $200 million. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Love TV on the radios, uh, <laughs> videos. Do we want that for Spider-Man? Yeah, it's amazing. It's 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 a system, and it's uh, it's honestly like clockwork. It's pretty amazing. Okay, let's move on and hit that weekly recommend. Yeah. Weekly recommends. Yeah. Okay, Brian, what you want to recommend this week for us? I'm going to recommend a show that feels quite fitting to the uh, subject matter that we discussed here tonight. Uh, I just got a chance to watch. I haven't quite finished. I think I've got one episode left of Jessica Jones season three on Netflix. I think it's the last of the Marvel shows that will go to Netflix and we'll see what they do on the old Disney streaming app in uh, wow, whatever, November, whenever that comes around. But uh, yeah, like I, I, I've dug Jessica Jones. I think it's, by far the best of those Marvel Netflix joint TV shows. And um, I've never been a huge Kristen Ritter fan, but she's really good in the role and, and used extremely effectively. And they, they do a great job of kind of playing to her persona and her personality and stuff. And, uh, and I, the, the kind of uh, noir type of uh, shot style and uh, the themes and stuff are, are really enjoyable. And it's, it's, it's a fun show. It's, and uh, so anyway, I've, I've enjoyed season three came out a, a few weeks ago. I just got a chance to, to watch it over the last uh, couple of weeks and, and, and I've enjoyed it. So Jessica Jones season three is my uh, recommend. 
Caleb, what about you, man? Yeah, my uh, my recommend is a book. It's The True Adventures of the Rolling Stones by Stanley Booth. So for any of y'all that are uh, planning on going and seeing the Stones that are touring right now, it's a great book outlining kind of cultural evolution. And it's hilarious to read about how these guys got started and kind of what they went through you know, in the early 60s compared to how music and rock and roll has evolved into what it is today and what society was shocked by back then and how desensitized we are today. <laughs> a phenomenal read by like the most eclectic author. And it's, you know, it's a great book if anybody's interested in rock and roll, 60s culture or just, you know, American society. Nice. Very nice. What's I haven't called? read much Rolling Stone stuff. I've read a lot. Uh, I've read a lot of of uh, musician and rock biographies, but I haven't I haven't done a deep dive on on the Stones. That may need to be a thing that I that I do at some point this year. I'm gonna way go more them. interesting than you think. <laughs> oh, I'm sure those books are. I mean, any any especially that era, the 60s, 70s, rock, folk, whatever, country musicians. Like, gosh, yeah, that that's they're always super fascinating. And sometimes super depressing. That Led Zeppelin book is oof, is rough. It's not not an enjoyable read. But uh, but the Stones are one that I don't I don't have as much I guess knowledge on as I do with a lot of the other bands from mm. from that era. So I'll check that out. Yeah, it's good, good recommend. Scheduled to see them at, in the at the end of the month in Houston. Um, nice. It was supposed to be in yes. April, but Mick Jagger yeah. had uh, heart surgery yeah. and uh, had to had to postpone it. So. Bless up, yeah, I Nick. read it before I saw him in Chicago, and those eighty-year-olds can rock, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. I've never seen the Stones, and my um, it's about time. Let's just say that about time. Okay, um, I'm going to recommend a movie that's doing very well in the box office internationally. That I I was so intrigued by how well it's been doing that I had to check it out. Um, it's a Netflix joint. Um, it's ca- it's called The Wandering Earth, and I'm disappointed Ariel's not on this episode because this is a very aerial type mm. property. So the premise is the earth is, uh, the solar system is destroyed. Basically our solar system is, is, uh, you know, the sun and everything is not working out for us, but the earth is fine. Okay. So what we're going to do is we're going to build giant rockets into the earth and we're going to, basically turn the earth into a rocket and then we're going to shoot the earth hmm. to another solar system. So that's the plot of the movie. It's this interesting it's a Chinese science fiction movie called the wandering earth. I really do. I think it's the number two grossing movie of the whole year worldwide. Yeah. It's a huge yeah. movie. Um, but it is incredible. Like the amount of money that they must've spent on this movie is staggering, but um, it's worth a watch just because of how ridiculous the plot is. Um, it's so fun because of how ridiculous the plot is, um, where they basically make the earth into a rocket and shoot it like across, like next to Jupiter and stuff. And it's like (laughs) ridiculous, but it's, it's fun. Um, it's worth checking out the wandering earth, Brian, you need to. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Look, I've, I've been wanting to watch that. Um, is it dubbed or is it subtitled? Yeah. The one I watched was dubbed. Okay. So that will help me. Like I, Subtitles are so much there. It's, it's better, but I will never watch it because I have, I just have, I never, I never can sit down and 
watch watch a movie like that i can know? do subtitles a so, lot more I'll, for i can do the dub if, i can if, do if, subtitles a lot more for drama movies but for action movies you don't want yeah subtitles yeah. because it's like awe and like screaming in background and all that mm-hmm. stuff on the screen mm-hmm. sure um this yeah. is a he- heavy action movie uh, i'm sure you can find a version that's got subtitles if that's what you prefer or if you want to watch it in chinese go for it um but the one i watched was dub and it Sweet. was a really fun action movie uh a really fun watch like a weekend kind of watch um the wandering earth is, nice. is worth a watch i'm interested to hear your thoughts on it um but that's yeah i'll definitely check it out i'll definitely check it out i'm behind like i was looking at my I was looking at my letterbox yesterday updating with a couple things and i was like gosh i usually try to watch i don't know 100 to 120 movies every year from from that year you know and i've only watched like 30 or so this the so for 30 35 this year so i've got i've got a lot of catching up to do on some of the ones that i've missed and, and that was on that's on my list when i want to i want to made 700 million dollars so far pretty good uh, that's not i mean i don't think it's even had theatrical release here at yeah, all right or it won't right. i'm sure but yeah I mean that's like one month of Mad About Movies. Well, we gross, but, right? But it's pretty good for a, for a movie at least. <laughs> it's uh definitely worth it. Worth checking out. Really fun time. The Wandering Earth um, now on a Netflix device near you. Nice. Okay, um, thank you, Richard, for joining us for movie news. And uh, you can find him at Richard Barden if you enjoyed his thoughts on movie news. Uh, Caleb Bonham can be found at Caleb Bonham on Twitter. I already know where to find him. And he's got great thoughts on all things. So if you enjoyed him <laughs> and want to uh, follow him, that's where you can do it uh, on Twitter. Thanks for being here, Caleb, for being a VIP. Hey, thank you. And uh, you, you were the bomb. And uh, Brian, where can we find you online, sir? You can find me on the Twitter, bgo 12 You can find my writing at madaboutmoviespodcast.com and the Mad About Movies Podcast newsletter. You can find me on the Twitter at uh, Kent Garrison and... Follow us at madaboutmoviespodcast.com and madaboutmoviespodcast.com slash VIP if you want more con- uh, content from us. And don't forget, if you want to jump on that voicemail, it's 214-308-1308. And uh, we will, I guess, talk to you all next week. And the movie of the week is something called, um, I believe, um, Stuber? Yeah, something Stuber. Like that. <laughs> Great. Or crawl if you want to do that instead, Brian. <laughs> a alligator movie. <laughs> Why is it called crawl? And it's in the water. I don't, yeah, I don't get it. I don't get it. It's kind of, it can't be called swim. Yeah, it's lame. Lake Placid Four. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, we'll be doing that maybe <laughs> next week as a Stuber review. So look forward to that, and look forward to our Lion King review in the VIP coming soon. Ooh. All right. Until then. Until next time. See y'all at the cinema. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling Tossed salads and scrambled eggs And maybe I seem a bit confused Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegged (laughs) But I don't know what to do With those tossed salads and scrambled eggs They're calling again Scrambled eggs all over my face They're making me ya-ya Silence and scramble They're calling again.